Welcome to a Lunch with Biggie, a podcast about small business and creatives sharing their stories and inspiring you. My guest today has been showing and selling a new perspective of a familiar world. For the past six years, he's been in search of something new, and his puddle reflections will pique your curiosity. Please welcome Chris Carr of Chris Carr Fine Arts Photography. So Chris, before we start with the lunch break and we start kind of talking about everything about you, I guess that's first, you know, I'm obviously I'm hungry. What's your favorite sandwich? Uh, Got to go with the classic pimento cheese. Really? Yeah. Very nice. How often do you get, do you get one anywhere locally that you get one at? Uh, not lately. Uh, usually I buy some uh, and just make them at home. Uh, but I I wouldn't, you know, PB and J is always a good handy one because especially for art shows, because I don't always have to take a cooler so I can just make a PB and J and it's good whether I have an ice pack or no ice pack. And I'm not worried about it going bad in the process. Exactly. Exactly. So in the intro, I brought up puddle reflections. I, 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 I will tell you, I am obviously a huge fan. I have, I have your art in my, in my house, in my office. Um, I want you to exactly kind of tell people what it is, how you came up with it, and and kind of tell that story. Okay. Uh, so uh, uh, at one point, I thought it was just, hap- uh, you know, just one of those lucky moments where I was out taking pictures, and I'm like, wow, this is such a cool perspective. But uh, a few years after I started, I looked back into my collection and realized I had been shooting the reflections for a few years, not very refined, but the idea growing subconsciously, I guess. Uh, but the reason I mainly use puddles is because you get this nice double exposure a lot of times to where you see what's reflecting in the water. But since the water's shallow, you also see the surface underneath. So if there's asphalt or brick or dirt, uh, you know, uh, anything under there adds to this illusion of a photograph that is reflecting over top of that. So create some really interesting compositions sometimes. So basically, just to kind of paint the picture, if someone were to look at your picture they basically seeing the reflection of water being poured on the ground or possibly on the ground already naturally. Um, and they're basically seeing the reflection from that puddle. So, I mean, I've, it's, it's kind of funny because like, I'm always a fan of, and and if you've ever seen like those pictures of, um, I guess mountain tops with like the mountains with the water and like the lakes and the ocean. And you see that reflection of like the mountain and you see it like on, you know, regular mountain. And then you see the reflection of it. It's amazing. However, what's amazing about this is that you're doing it in all different places. You're basically creating your own puddle, your own illusion, basically. Um, and then yeah. creating that, um, you know, so was it just pure, just pure luck when you kind of came up with it? I mean, I know you said you looked at it in your past, but like, what made you decide to kind of like, you know, to go that route, to shoot it, just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of curious on the thought process. Uh, well, uh, with all of mine, I, cause of course a reflection is always upside down when you see it. So all, all of my work, I turn them 180 degrees so that what's reflecting is at least oriented, like we're used to seeing it. So at first you might not, not notice that it's a reflection, but then the more you look at it, you see all these new details, uh, which is why I love this series so much is because at first glance, you might see something go, oh, it's just a building reflecting. But then you see what's all this other stuff. People ask, you know, are you double exposing your pictures? Are you doing this manipulation in Photoshop? And my answer is always simple. No, the only thing I do is turn them upside down. The puddle does all the work for me. Yeah, that I think I just find that so amazing. Now, what when you were doing photography before, was it, were you always into kind of doing landmarks and things like that? 
or did it just kind of progress that way once you started doing the once you kind of came across or I guess stepped on the puddle and figured out that's what you wanted to do? Uh, well, my early photography was just more of a hobby and it was mostly during travel. So it was just landscape and travel photography of places I was going and visiting. Uh, that's why I kind of migrated towards photographing things that are familiar to people. You start talking with people at art shows and uh, you have this common connection with people, even if you're not from the area. Uh, and it is a great way to bring your art across and to create art for people all over the country, all over the world. Yeah. And so when you started, obviously you live in Florida. So when you started um, and you obviously started do, kind of doing the, all of this, how did it kind of like, what was the progression? Cause this is what I'm amazed is that one, you do this, you, you do this for a living Two, you do this, you travel across the country um, at different, you know, art shows. So what kind of, what was the progression um, from you, you know, obviously doing it from a hobby to deciding to go, I want to do this full time. Well, I was just kind of thrown into it. I was doing web design and trying to find a way to make photography a full-time profession. Uh, and and I, at, during this time, I came up with the Reflection Series. I'd applied to a photography show that was in Los Angeles, and my job got eliminated. Uh, and two weeks later, I got picked up for this art show. So I sort of took it as a sign as this is the direction I'm supposed to go in. And it's no better time than now to start my own career doing something I love. Well, I've got no other job going on. I, you know, I had a severance package because I'd been at this company for eight years. So it gave me a little cushion. Now, the first year, I only did one or two events. The one in Los Angeles was the first one. And it was such good reception to just the idea itself that I felt like I really had something special. Uh, with the reflections, it, it made things a little more unique than just standing there shooting a picture straight up looking at everything. It made me stand out more. Yeah. What, um... So obviously I'm assuming when you got went to LA, you decided also, obviously you're there, you might as well take pictures. So your equipment, you're looking at obviously your camera and how much water, how much water are we talking about here? Uh, well, in the early days, I was only relying on puddles that I found. So it was any amount of water I could find on the ground. Uh, I'm usually shooting really close to the ground. So that's a little more unique perspective. So it only takes enough water to cover the lens of the camera really. So if it's a big lens, then of course I have to have a bigger puddle. Uh, I don't like to stand up and shoot because uh, I feel like that I could get a more unique perspective low to the ground. It's almost like the puddles perspective. Of the yeah. So you're actually laying on the ground, taking these shots as well. Uh, usually squatted down, laying down gets a little dirty and especially uh, in the streets and in the mud puddles, you, I, I don't want to take a change of clothes or look like I'm a homeless person walking around with mud all over my clothes. So usually I just squat down. Yoga helps me stay in shape to where my knees don't give out on me too much. Stretching helps before I go. <laughs> no, I, I totally get that. Um, and one of the things I, one of the things I do love about your work is that it does show the importance of taking the time and enjoying the things from a different perspective. Um, I think the idea of just shooting something that appears backwards and then flipping it. I mean, I absolutely think it's amazing. Um, that aspect of it, I think. Um, and then one of the things that I found very interesting. So when you go to these, so, so obviously you start, you, you started off with two events and then started building from there. Um, you know, kind of like where you, did it give you the excuse then to, Hey, let me go travel more so that I can take 
more pictures. So therefore I can then have more stuff to be able to sell or how did that kind of evolve um, that way? The, the travel came more out of a necessity to just grow the market. Uh, I started very locally. The second year, I think I did seven events. The third year I did about 20 events, but uh, you know, there's, there's art circuits all over the country and Florida has a very strong one, but Florida has a lot of uh, beach towns and a lot of shows where people want uh, very specific artwork. Uh, so I started noticing that not every Florida show did really well for me. So I started branching out to other cities, just sort of testing the market to see what kind of people liked my work uh, and bought my work. Uh, so it was more of an experiment and, you know, it grew every year, 20 shows. And then I went to about 30 or 40 shows and I kept that for, for a few years until COVID hit in 2020. Uh, so now it's starting back slow, but now it's, it's more about quality, but I've tested enough, enough cities to know where I can do good and where I don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming you kind of figure out because one of the other things that I, I think you and I kind of discussed, um, you know, when we first met, cause I'm, I'm always intrigued by people's stories and what they do. Cause you obviously sell, sell larger prints, but then you also sell a smaller, a smaller version of the print as well. So obviously it gives yeah. everyone the opportunity, you know, one cost wise, but two, maybe like, Hey, I really like this, or I like a bunch of these. I can, I can, I can then kind of put them all together and make like a great, you know, image. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of phenomenal that you actually kind of, you do that and you've kind of have the forefront and the, or the thought process to be able to kind of think that way. Yeah. Well, uh, again, it's from experience. You learn that, oh, okay, I'm at these art shows and I see really expensive art and I see really cheap art, but sometimes there's no middle ground. I, I have people all the time tell me, say, you know, I really love the fact that your art's really affordable. I can buy something that's in a lower price range, or I can buy something that's in a higher price range and you have a little bit of stuff for everyone. So I try to keep it that way. I don't think that art should only be for one type of person. I think it should be for any type of person. And you kind of, you know, this as well as me is if you have products, you kind of have to have products to, to reach every market if you want to expand. Yeah, no, it makes total, that makes total sense. And then at what point did you start realizing, Hey, I got to start printing my own. I'm going to print my own versus getting it maybe sent out or anything like that. Uh, just the cost started growing so much. Uh, it, I was getting quality work and it was nice that I didn't have to spend the time to print and cut and package everything, but the cost, I did the numbers and the cost, I could cut my cost in half by investing in my own printer, taking the time to make my own artwork. And I've come to find that the presentation is really important uh, for people to sell, especially for the more expensive pieces. You could put a price on something, but that doesn't mean that someone's going to give you that much for it, especially if it they don't feel like it has the quality or the craftsmanship that they're looking to spend that kind of money on. No, that makes uh, that makes total sense there on, on that aspect of it. And I think that's, you know, when you're going when you're going like from what what have you seen so far? Like, is there is there have you seen like a kind of like, a I don't know, like a certain process where you've noticed like larger cities they like the landmarks or, you know, or maybe smaller cities, small, smaller towns, they like their sports stadiums. Like, is there anything correlations that you've noticed from your travels and doing and doing what you've seen that people like or are more drawn to? Um, I still think it varies. Even some of the bigger cities have characteristics of some of the smaller towns. It just depends on the area of the country and the, the people that live there. Uh, I, you just have to be prepared for everything, you know, go in with an, uh, with, no game plan or a little game plan. You just have to be able to adjust as you go. Yeah. Um, I, I really do good in engineering cities where they're like uh, Huntsville. I just did a show and there's a lot of NASA, a lot of space 
production there. So there's a lot of engineers. Baltimore is another city that has a lot of engineers in the Maryland and Virginia area. So I tend to do good in those because I have NASA stuff or maybe that's just I know what's there. So I, uh, I kind of cater to that crowd like you, uh, you know, I know what sold before I might take it back again or take note. Yeah. No, I think that's important to kind of figure out what your customers like and what you're seeing and what you're liking. Um, I, to me, I always would kind of think about like what would be so difficult because obviously you want to find, you want to bring things that are relevant to the location you're at, but then there's other things that are major landmarks that you, you know, you want to be able to incorporate or keep bring you with you as well. So then it's like, you're almost, I feel like I'm always like, at least for me when selling shirts is like, I'm always stuck with a dilemma. Like, oh, I didn't bring I didn't bring the, I didn't bring the Italian beef. You know what I mean? Like I, right. and like I should have brought it, but I didn't have it cause I didn't have enough. So then you kind of like are stuck that way. Um, do you ever have that? Do you ever have those moments? You're like, Oh, I should have. Yeah. And I've had the moments, the exact opposite to where I brought stuff that was more local to where I was at. And a lot of people that were visiting the show said, I'm not from here anyway. So it doesn't really matter that you have local stuff. So you have to just have a little bit of everything and be prepared. You know, you can be prepared with, the stuff for that area, but sometimes you have to have some stuff that's just generic for, especially some of your heavy hitters, the stuff that you is the most popular, even if regardless of the area, you know, uh, you, you kind of make note of those things as well. Okay. These are the ones that I have to have extras of because they always sell no matter where I go. Yeah. So you kind of make note of that as well. Just, uh, just learning as you go, making notes, keeping track, always a fine tuning everything. So do you ever need, I've, I've been kind of curious, like, do you ever need to get like permission on certain landmarks or since it's your photography of your, you know, and your thing is basically considered art, it, you know, since it's art, you basically don't, or how does that, does that ever work? Or do you ever have, have you ever had that issue? Uh, I haven't had this issue so far. I always try to research a little bit to make sure I'm not stepping over my boundaries, but sometimes I might take a little chance and say, okay, well, I'm going to try it. And if it becomes a popular image, then maybe I will look at, you know, going further, maybe getting a license or whatever needs to be. But at first, I, you know, sometimes I just want to shoot and see if it even has any interest in people buying it in the first place. Yeah. And then do you also, speaking of research, do you go the route of like when you're going to a city, like looking, is there like a research that you start searching stuff like major landmarks or odd landmarks or yeah. anything like that, that kind of like gets you when you do it. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm definitely one of those where when I do travel, my, my, my go-tos are, I got to find like the hole in the wall, delicious food place. <laughs> where am I going to get a good sandwich? Um, I'm all into like roadside America stuff. So like, I'm always like, where can I find like the weird, like in Columbus, Ohio, there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger statue, like stuff yeah. like that. Like I'm always like, where are those weird things? I want to oh, go yeah. see them. Atlas Obscura is one of my first places that I stop and always look to make sure, okay, this is where I'm at and this is where I'm going. What's in between that I would like to see or haven't seen yet. That's one of the first places I, I kind of use Google or TripAdvisor uh, to look up local stuff, just more from a popularity aspect. It's kind of like talking to people at art shows and they say, oh, well, you should go take a reflection of this place or this place because we all love it here. Uh, sometimes that can help me do the homework ahead of time if I haven't been to the city before. But yeah, I always plan even the route in between. It's not just where I'm going to, but what's in between where I'm at and where I'm going to as well. Sometimes I'll just stop for an hour or two just to see something, uh, to shoot pictures, or maybe just get some inspiration along the way. Or like you said, eat some really good food. Uh, I also love to 
to look around for the local food and see what I can hit on the way. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so important to be able to get that flavor and that like, you know, that taste or I guess the aura of that, of the city. So I, I think it's definitely uh, one of those where I can definitely see that. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm truly amazed. Um, I, I'm what I love about following you, um, you know, and obviously through our friendship is seeing the pictures of your car, like just loaded up <laughs> when you're going, when you're, when you're going on travel and you just like load up your car and it's like full to the brim and you're just basically traveling to your spots and everything. Um, what are some things that you've learned along the way, I guess, from one doing events? Um, cause I'm, I'm assuming you're, you got to bring tents and all that stuff to, um, you know, what are some things that you've kind of learned along the way that you wish, or you, you know, you wish you knew, or you, or things that you're like, you know what, if I had to give someone advice on this, this is what I would recommend doing for, you know, if you're were to go to do this route. Um, I'll always, uh, with the tent, especially with the art shows, it's a big investment. If you get a really big tent, uh, of course they're worth it because when you do a show with bad weather and you see some pretzel tents because you know, they were inexpensive tents. Sometimes the pop-up tents are the a metal they make them out of is very brittle. So even with the best weight on them, they'll still fold and bend over and not be usable anymore. But you really need to, before you invest in an expensive tent, you need to make sure that that's the route you want to go because you have to think you're going to be in weather, hot weather, cold weather, rainy weather, windy weather. And not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody wants to have to set a tent up and break down a tent and load a car and unload a car. And, you know, it's a lot of work. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, I'm not saying that anybody couldn't do it, but it's something that you want to make sure you're committed to before you go and invest a lot of, a lot of your own money into it. Uh, I've also learned to always be prepared, you know, make sure you have tools with you because you never know uh, what might come up on the road. Of course, you, you're in a big city or fairly big cities. So I can always go to a store and buy something, but that's more expense that you're spending. Uh, yeah. Plus, I don't want to buy a tool every time I need it. And then I come home and I've got five of those. Yeah. So it's always good to at least have a I found a tool that has a like a screwdriver and a hammer and a scissor. So it's almost like a Swiss Army knife so that I've got a little bit of everything in one and I don't have to take a whole box with me just of tools. Uh, another thing is uh, always be prepared for weather. I always take a raincoat. I only learned that after getting rained on and breaking down from a show, which I'm not really worried about getting wet. I'm not that delicate, but you know, I have electronics. You have a phone that runs credit cards. Uh, you have a computer, whatever you might have in your pocket, you know, you need some way to keep everything protected if you do get in bad weather. Yeah. It's uh, and what about the print aspect of it? Cause that's, that's something I would be concerned about is like, you know, um, you know, my prints are going to get wet or anything like that. I mean, that's always the the hard part when it comes to all those things. And then, you know, that's, that's always my fear with when it comes to weather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a small printer that I travel with now so I can redo my, my little prints, my 11, my 14s, or if I shoot new stuff, I can print it while I'm on the road. Uh, the bigger stuff, you just kind of have to protect your stuff. You have to make sure you make some kind of protective bags or you're protecting it somehow, uh, even in weather so that you can, uh, I wouldn't say leave everything out. You, every time I close down my tent at night, I, I assume that it's going to rain or it's going to be windy or there's going to be water. So anything that's on the ground is waterproof. I make sure that everything's off the ground at night so that I don't come into a big mess. I've had that happen where my tent flipped over in the middle of the night and my table and all my prints got wet. Uh, of course, the tent just flipped, so it, it only the art was still hanging upside down, which was weird. But the, the table got ruined, so I had a bunch of prints that I had to throw out because they got wet. 
So you can be prepared, but then sometimes you're going to run across situations yeah. where there's just nothing you can do about it. You just have to definitely be flexible. Yeah. And have a little thick skin because it's going to happen. You know, it's, it's weather you're, you're outside. It's mother nature's always bigger than we are. Speaking of thick skin, um, do you ever get those moments when people ask you like, why'd you do that? Like, why would you do this? Like, you know, like the, cause there's always, there's always that, there's always that one person that, um, I sometimes, I kind of consider them as like hating admirers where they spend yeah. way too much time in your tent telling you how they don't like it or don't understand it, but yet spend all this time talking to you about it. And do you ever get, do you ever get oh, yeah. those? Oh yeah. I get that. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like you get people who tell you they love your stuff. People are not afraid to tell you they don't like your stuff. And here's why they don't like your stuff, but you, you just have to have the thick skin. You have to listen to everyone just because they might not be buying. They might know 20 people who could buy. So you kind of have to bite your tongue. Sometimes you have to just say, Oh, you know, I'm always nice to everyone. I always just try to talk to everyone and not dismiss anybody. Even if I know that they're wasting my time just to talk to me, it's, just one of those things that you have to do is what we're doing. You have, you're, you're the face of the customer service. So you kind of have to keep that in mind and keep your cool and just talk to everyone and learn ways to shuffle them along or in the conversations uh, if you have to, uh, but it happens, you know, I, I don't dislike people for, for coming in and talking like that. I don't dislike people for coming in and telling me how they love my stuff too. It's just part of the the game we play. Yep, definitely. Uh, and it's definitely a long game. So I definitely understand that for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. The longest trip. So when you go, um, you know, obviously when you're, when you're traveling out, do you ever, do you usually go the route where you're like, I'm going like, it's only like a weekend. I'm basically driving out to this location. Um, you know, like in this particular case, like you went to Florida to Alabama, does it go, do you have it usually where you're doing the circuit where you're literally like, I'm going from Alabama, Alabama to Missouri, Missouri to Ohio. like, like, are you kind of going that route where you're just basically out for weeks on end away from home? I try to be, uh, I try to be, I try to book shows that are like, especially ones that are far away from, from Florida. I try to book shows that are somewhat in the same area so that I can at least do more than one event. I, I don't want to go 800 miles or 1200 miles just to do one event and come back if I can help it. Sometimes it might happen that way. I did a show in Dallas and I was not able to tie any other shows into that trip because nothing else accepted me. I got waitlisted or a show didn't happen. Uh, but you know, I try my best to do that. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but uh, I try to, to make it to where I'm not just driving forever and coming back. Uh, another thing I do is if I have several shows in a row, I usually stay gone the whole time because I don't want to drive home to turn around a day later and drive back three or four States. So I strategically pick places in between where I'm at and where I'm going and I stop for a night and I might stop two or three nights in that week and go take pictures and make art. Uh, I like to go to college campuses and shoot reflections. So there's un unlimited numbers of colleges that I can go hit. I've, I've not even scratched the surface of those, uh, but other things, you know, interesting things, food, landmarks, architecture, uh, just really interesting places. Uh, try to pick strategically along the way to, kind of uh, just bulk up my collection. Uh, it came in really handy in 2020 when we weren't traveling. I had all these pictures that I'd never used for anything. And I was able to keep posting new content for the whole year based on all that extra work I had done. Yeah, that's a so it paid off. Heck yeah, it did. And that's kind of the key is really just building, building that tool, you know, that uh, filling that filling, filling that car up with all these different images and prints of uh, to be able to use can 
folks buy from you? Um, I, I guess we'll kind of, I'll kind of ask the question, like, obviously, where can they follow you? Um, where can they purchase from you? Can they buy online? What, um, you yes. know, tell, t- give folks that, that wonderful information. Okay. So my website is chriscarfineart.com. Uh, of course you can learn about my story. You can see my show schedule. You can see all my artwork, my whole collection. You can buy from there as well. Uh, a few, uh, every image has a few formats, whether it's wall art or just a print that you want to frame yourself. Uh, also, my social media is at Chris Carr Fine Art Photography at Facebook or Instagram. Uh, I really don't do a lot of other platforms. I try to keep it simple. Um, I know I probably should, but at this point, that's the only two I'm, I'm mainly on. Um, uh, but that's my, mostly where you can reach me at. Uh, I do a lot of social posting. I post my work or my shows. I I try to be entertaining with my stories and show the new work I'm working on, or if I'm at the studio or printing stuff, kind of just share the behind the scenes stuff some days, not just the fancy, pretty stuff. (laughs) No. And and I think those are the things that people appreciate. I think people appreciate being able to see what you're doing, where you're going, what you're creating. Um, You know, I think to me that those are always the the big ones that I, I think I always like to be able to get. Um, you know, and then what would you say, I mean, do you have a, like a certain motto or a certain thing that you, uh, follow or mantra that you follow? Because I mean, obviously you definitely took, um, you took a plunge. I mean, obviously you had at the time you had like, you know, quote unquote, nothing to, you know, nothing to lose since you had lost your job and you wanted to get into this. So it kind of like almost kind of brought you, you kind of just said, what the heck, I'm going to jump in the puddle, uh, both feet in. So what, what exactly, would um you know, do you have like a certain goal motto or, or or mantra or anything that you use or follow or think of? Uh, progress, not perfection. That's what I live by. You know, I'm always striving for progress. I'm not trying to be perfect. Nobody's perfect, and I'm not going to lose myself in the illusion that I got to be perfect. I'm just striving to always improve upon who I was yesterday or what I did yesterday. That's mine. Yeah, it's fun. I know it's simple, but. It's effective. You obviously, I don't know if you've been hearing me, but that's basically been what I've been preaching for like the last year. It's uh, it's something that I think is very hard because, I, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted people to be able to have, get an understanding of that. It doesn't matter what your, what your thoughts are, what you're doing or what you think. Um, if it's something you like and you enjoy, um, you know, obviously, you know, and that's kind of one of the things, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is just because I really, I remember like just being, my mind was blown. I was like, I was like, what? I was like, when I saw you and we talked, uh, I want to say it was in Deland, um, in Deland Indie Market. And I like met you guys and I was just like blown away with how you came up with this idea. Um, because I had never seen anything like it. Um, you know, and the fact that it's like, you know, so puddle reflections, is that trademarked or is that something that it is trademarked? It is trademarked. The first year or so I didn't, uh, but then I realized that, Hey, if I'm going further with this, it's something I should probably trademark for down the road, uh, to protect myself and protect my, my creation, my interest, uh, since it was new and no one else is really doing anything like that. I thought it was necessary. So obviously I, you know, when, when it, when it, when I guess, what is it called? Uh, when people come go in, they actually, and of course I lost the, the word, the proper wording for it. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. So since you've been doing this, so you've been doing this about six years, right? Um, have you been seeing a lot of, like, have you shown up to some of these and you're like, wait a second, that's like very similar to what I do. Um, or anything like that. Have you seen folks kind of copying this style? 
Uh, I have in two ways. One, I, I mean, I see other photographers who shoot reflections, but they don't have a whole series. Like they might have one piece or two pieces that have a little bit of a reflection in it uh, based upon what they do as work. Another way I see it is I meet people at shows and they're inspired and they they try it themselves. They're like, oh, I'm going to go and try to shoot reflections or shoot a puddle reflection. Uh, they they tagged me on their social media post or they send me an email and said, oh, I tried this. What do you think of my work? And for me, I like that because I'm inspiring people to go and try something new. Yeah. Uh, the other side, I haven't really seen it as a problem because getting down in a puddle and, you know, finding these reflections is not easy work. Uh, it's it's it can be tiring when you walk around all over the place. You squat down 100 times taking a picture. You you know, it, it takes time to develop the eye to see the exact reflection that you want to shoot. Uh, so I feel like that it's it's not a problem on that stuff uh, as far as people imitating me as, as other artists. Uh, people might shoot a few, but for me, it's more the people that imitate me because I inspire them to do so. That's the what I, I try to concentrate on the positive more than the negative side. Not to say I don't keep an eye on the other stuff, but you know, I'd rather inspire people to, to copy me. Uh, any day of the week. No, I, I totally get that. I, heck, I, I know I'm always trying to do it out with my iPhone, especially in the back <laughs> of my house. I think I've sent you a few pictures like because like yep. back of my house, I have like this like retention pond with the beautiful and sometimes with the sunset. And I'm always trying to like do it. And my neighbors think I'm crazy because I'm like, I'm always either trying to squat <laughs> or laying on the ground to try to do it. And I just can't I can't do it because obviously I'm not doing a puddle. I'm doing like this full on like pond thing type thing. So um yeah definitely uh definitely awesome um you know chris i really appreciate you taking the time to to come chat with me today um i really hope yeah, thanks for having very me. you know definitely a pleasure i you know you are um i definitely love what you do i i'm very inspired by the fact that this is something that you do full time you're constantly traveling um and that you have a love for this and and it just absolutely amazes me um to see um, all the different places that you've gone to and how like in, in your basically your perspective, I will say um, on your reflections on how it works. So definitely, um, definitely amazing. Um, Thank you. Thank you for having no, me. You're quite welcome. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for Chris Carr for being on and having lunch with me. Um, definitely make sure to check him out online. Um, if you definitely go check out his uh, website and go see if you can uh, see if you can maybe see him at one of his shows. If not, definitely purchase something online. Um, if you enjoyed the show, definitely make sure to subscribe. If you want to support me, you could definitely check out my brand, Deli Fresh Threads, and do some shopping and maybe tell your friends. Thank you. Until next time, keep eating sandwiches and follow your passion. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.